You're listening to Because We're Dangerous, a Dark Matter podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Annie. We're talking about Episode 7 of Dark Matter, and while we will talk about anything and everything from Episode 7, there won't be any spoilers for future episodes. First, we'll give our quick reviews, then we'll talk about notable elements and stuff that made us happy, and we'll conclude by discussing the questions we have after watching this week's episode. Jumping into our quick reviews, I liked this episode. I thought it was pretty entertaining. It was pretty well paced and there was some there was stuff going on there wasn't as much sitting around as there have been in some previous episodes i like that the crew really had to work together as a group to solve the situation with wendy and i'm glad that we got to see a softer side of both three and and the android again but i i just cannot say emphatically enough how thoroughly disinterested i am in whatever is going on between one and two I liked it too, for the most part. I thought the pacing was pretty good, which as you say, Mm -hmm. as opposed to scenes of people kind of standing around doing stuff on occasion, there there was less of that this episode. There was, I think, hardly any of it. And, you know, I, I really appreciate that we got to see a new side of three. I think this is the most I ever cared about three. Like, it made me care about three. Let's put it that way. This episode made me care about three. I'm like, oh, there's more to him. That's good to know. (laughs) And I I thought it was interesting that we got to see another android, because there was that comment in a previous episode about, um, you know, oh, our android's a little bit different. But we had no context for that statement. And I think now we've got at least some. And uh, I also just dislike the one and two scenes. I, I just don't understand what they're doing there. I really liked it. I love seeing Ruby Rose as Wendy, the android, uh, with a lot of different humorous bits. And our android seeming kind of sad and getting kind of jealous, as jealous as an android can get, and then trying to play makeup. And of course, the scene with her variety of accents, which had me howling, laughing, knee-slapping, everything. And I really like getting to see a different side of three, because I think we needed it at this point in the story, instead of just just the one-note side of three, where he's being an a-hole. And uh, so I'm really glad they introduced this relationship with Sarah and that uh, I thought Anthony Lemke did a great job in this episode. Although he always ends up getting his butt kicked by androids, it seems. And uh, (laughs) so poor guy. But I thought the stunt scenes and the fight scenes were really well done. Yeah. And like you too, for the one and two stuff, I don't know where they're going there with the writing. I find it really dull and without any sort of chemistry. I can't even watch those scenes on a rewatch. I just skip them. Yeah. I keep thinking their scenes can't get any more painfully awkward, but apparently the limit does not exist. They just keep getting more and more awkward. Like, there's uh, no number of awkward turtles could save them now. It's just, ugh, no. What's an awkward turtle? Oh, you don't know what an awkward turtle is? It's not like a turtle that you eat? Because that sounds yummy. No! What? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, turtles. An awkward turtle sounds particularly delicious. (laughs) No, just a turtle. You know, the chocolate and caramel thing sounds yummy. (laughs) But I wanted to know what the term awkward turtle meant. I assume it means something else. (laughs) Meanwhile, I was going to tease her about making a Mean Girls reference, but okay, this is better. This is better. (laughs) Okay, so the awkward turtle. It's a couple of things. First of all, there's a hand gesture involved. It's where you place one hand on top of the other with your thumbs sticking out on either side, and you kind of rotate your thumbs in a circular motion. That's the awkward turtle hand motion. Really? The purpose. I have never heard that before. Really? Okay, the purpose of an awkward turtle is to 
lighten the mood in an awkward social situation where you know oh. people are kind of like maybe standing around and they don't really know what to say to each other someone can go awkward and make people laugh like that's that's kind of the point of an awkward turtle is to well break. i've heard of awkward but i didn't know if the turtle looked- <laughs> this is a turtle <laughs> it's swimming <laughs> Actually, I think it's more supposed to be like, really, the, I feel like the, the, your hand should be rotated and it can kind of be flailing on its side, because that's awkward when you see a turtle who's stuck on its side, but but that's the awkward turtle. Okay, um, I've been trying to make an awkward turtle motion this whole time. I've so noticed. Too bad it doesn't translate. <laughs> that's why Chris is left. Oh, I realize y'all can't see me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, you thank you for that education later. <laughs> yeah okay because okay. i'm having sad attempts at the awkward turtle this whole thing All just right. got awkward turtle <laughs> but yeah no awkward no number of awkward turtles can save the scenes between one and two they are beyond a million awkward turtles because okay. it's like it's it. painfully awkward it's not endearingly mm. awkward it's just no it's it's more painfully awkward than this entire conversation has been. <laughs> yes. Well, at least this conversation's been funny. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And we are not the only ones who are not digging one into. We got emails from a couple of people saying that they, they weren't caring for the this storyline. And Aaron said, again, I wish they'd stop pushing a romance for one and two so much. I might be okay with it if it wasn't so forced feeling. Not to mention it feels cliche with their labels of one and two. It's like main guy with main girl. The scene between Wendy and two didn't help either. They might be a good match, but it's so forced it's turning me off. And then Francie also expressed frustration at the one and two romance. And I agree with Aaron. It does not feel natural at all to me. It just feels like an element that the writers are including because they feel like there needs to be a romance in here somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. Agreed. Because, yeah, I, I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And talked about this, how much we like two as an individual, but paired with one in those scenes, it I, I just don't like that dynamic. And she seems to have to keep... Why does she keep explaining herself to him of what does it matter who I'm with or if I'm with three or whatnot? And I'm just like, Ugh. well, and they spend all this time where she like rebuffs his advances. So it really didn't make any sense to me at the end of the episode when she went to him, you know what I mean? Like it, it yeah. didn't track for me. And in this episode, it got to the point where I didn't like two. I was not yeah, liking too. the mm-hmm. approach that she was taking with him. It felt very much in this episode. I was reminded of, that 70s show? Have you seen that 70s show, either of you? Some of it. Uh-uh. Some of it. Okay. They wanted to dynamic in this episode was reminding me of, of Kelso and Eric's older sister, whose name, Lori. Kelso and Lori, where you have like this horny teenage guy drooling over his friend's older sister, who's clearly in her sexual maturity and Kelso's not quite there. And that's what it feels like to me. One is like a less horn dog version of Kelso. And you have two who's supposed to be like this grown ass woman, but she's kind of getting off on the attention a little bit and teasing Ew. him some. And it just feels weird. And I'm not digging it at all. Yeah, one seems very immature. And it's just they have these weird exchanges where you know, he's sort of awkwardly trying to express his interest or something, and then she's all, I am not flirting with you, and then he lunges at her with his lips. 
Ugh. And she's all, what are, what are you doing? And then he, he's trying to make all these double entendres about, oh, a status report. And is that supposed to be sexy or alluring or flirting? It just is not working for me on any level. Yeah, and I just didn't like the fact that two knows that one's attracted to her. And I, great being comfortable with your body and all of that. But it felt like this very deliberate, you want me and I'm not going to let you have me, but look at how hot I am type of <laughs> dynamic. And I was just like, oh, two, don't go there. Sorry, just the way you said that, Stephanie, was hilarious. <laughs> did, did anybody else have a moment or several moments watching, especially this episode, but where you're just kind of like, a guy wrote this? A, a little uh, bit. A little bit. Yeah. That didn't occur to me, but yeah. And we, we generally, we try to we try to focus on the positive in these shows. We try to focus on things that we like. So we're going to segue out of our complaining here momentarily. But my final complaint would be, I can't believe they had Ruby Rose in an episode and they didn't have her make out with any ladies. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Where's my android android sex? <laughs> there wasn't even an android android fight. <sighs> so not weren't fair. Were they, weren't they promising an android android fight? Yeah, and, and instead, it's just not cool for Wendy Android to shoot our Android. You do make a good point, Annie, given that we had both Ruby Rose and Zoe Palmer, two actors who are fairly prominent and important to the queer female community in the same episode. I think there were people who were maybe hoping there might be some interaction between the two of them. But I don't know that this is necessarily the show for this to happen on but i still think it was it was a waste of of ruby rose not have to make out with any girls come on (laughs) she could have lured two away from one come on (laughs) not the other way around she did kind of make an offer there but i know that wasn't enough though i know i wanted i'm just saying it was it was more than nothing She should have offered, she should have like had a display of her, you know, interchangeable parts for two, you know? (laughs) This one? No, what about this one? She should have made more of a play. It's on sci-fi, not showtime, (laughs) Annie. Oh, I know. Okay, sorry. (laughs) But moving on, transitioning from our complaining into some notable elements in this episode, we got to see what was behind door number huge, and (laughs) I was a little disappointed in what was back there. I mean, there was some interesting stuff, but I I was thinking there would be more of a key to their memories back there, I guess. There kind of was, for three. Fair, fair. But yeah, they they did make a big deal about the big scary door, and it wasn't scary at all. It's interesting how, now I'm wondering, well, how did... Well, I guess they all knew about the door beforehand, before they lost their memories, so three just decided to put Sarah in there. Well, that seemed to be their vault, right? It was locked up all tight. (laughs) I swear they're going to find, like, Amelia Earhart and the Lindbergh baby (laughs) and Jimmy Hoffa (laughs) on this ship eventually, because they they found not one, but two, quote-unquote, women in in that room, which is quite a haul, I gotta say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) To me, it is. (laughs) Full of women and money and guns. <laughs> All right. Just give me the women. <laughs> Especially one who cooks. My mom always says I need to marry someone who cooks. <laughs> I need an entertainment android stat. <laughs> but I like the Zoe Palmer model. She's prettier. <laughs> We're so shocked, Danny. Maybe maybe you can redo her subroutines. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> I've been wanting to do that all season. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. But I guess it's good. They found a lot of money. They can get their ship repaired. Their ship was seeming kind of sad these days. 
and and get themselves some food. I know, especially almost going into a star. That can't be good for a ship. No, Poor Raza. No. But yeah, they, I'm glad they mentioned that and had a line about that. Oh, we've got enough money for repairs and refueling and some even some luxury items. I gotta wonder what their gas bill looks like, yo. Like, <laughs> I can only imagine. How many gallons do you think that thing holds? It probably isn't even measured in gallons. It's probably measured in something else entirely. What What do they use for fuel? I don't know. Is it dilithium crystals? Oh, God. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> we also, like you mentioned, Chris, we got to see a softer side of three. And I really thought that was a really nice story arc for him mm -hmm. in this episode. I thought Anthony Limke did a great mm -hmm. job. I think even initially when he was looking at Sarah going, wait, let's put her back in the pod if she's, you know, sick. And just the expression on his face, like, it's like Sarah was affecting him even before she woke up and knew who she was. Yeah, I, I took notice of that, too. The fact that once he realized that she was terminally ill, he immediately wanted to put her back into stasis, even before he knew that she knew him. And it, it's possible that that impulse came from some buried memory of his connection to her, but maybe it wasn't. If we get to see there is real compassion in him, maybe that speaks to also his background. Maybe he was surrounded by a lot of people affected by such a, an illness when he was growing up. Hmm. I don't know. But I, I liked that moment yeah, a lot. Yeah, Anthony Alemke did a great job with the subtleties of Three's uh, mannerisms this episode. And Anthony Lemke did mention in that press call that uh, Three was was compassionate. So Surprisingly compassionate? Or did he say caring? One of the two. Uh, it might have been caring, yeah. I, I don't remember exactly, but indicated that there was a softer side to Three. So, you know, it took half the season to get here, but I'm glad we got here. <laughs> Yeah. It seemed to me like the way we see that six and two feel protective of five instinctively, some of that same relationship seemed to rekindle between him and Sarah through the mm -hmm. episode. He yeah. really did seem to have a genuine caring for her by the end. Sad android again, being in the background. She just wants people to like her. I find it interesting that she had that conversation with five. She goes, I'm not programmed for humor. But she's still humorous when she does her literal, my head is always the same size. You know, Five says, see, you do have a sense of humor. And then she leaves and she tries to measure, she's measuring her head. But the android still has a subroutine that makes her aware enough to go, well, other entertainment android is upping the game with her, you know, cuisine and her, all sexy of the ways outfit. she's tempted, her sexy outfits. Yeah, so I'd better uh, try some accents on. I know um, Joseph Malazzi said the episode was running a few minutes short, and that's where that scene came from, which was inspired by Zoe Palmer doing her Jamaican accent during her uh, audition for the android. And I love how when she came up to one and her uniform was unzipped, and then afterwards she slowly zips it up, she's like, well, that didn't work. We got some feedback from Lou saying, the writing for the android seems to be a little uneven. She seems to be jealous of Wendy. I guess you would explain that by a subroutine for pleasing the crew. But then why apologize to Wendy? Also, come on, how hard it would be to insert a definition of idioms alongside all those accents? And I guess there's two statements here. First of all, I do agree with him in that 
while I think it's funny when when Zoe's like, you know, my head is of a normal size and measures her head, I do think that's funny. But at the same time, I think she's programmed to do this all of these things and you can't put in a definition of getting a big head could be an idiom. She's an android. She can contain limitless information. You would think. Much. Well, that seems to be a lot of humor-based. I think that's always a lot of things for, like, if you look at Data and Star Trek, that's a lot of source for a lot of the humor of the non-human entities and a lot of sci-fi that they rely on for humor. So I think it's just that kind of thing. But yeah, Five could write a program and stick it in there. As far as those comments about the androids writing being uneven, I don't think that necessarily it has been. It has been a very clear element to the android storyline that she really wants to if please the crew and in fact even be their friend. We saw that scene between her and Five in episode two, where she seemed to really be looking for companionship. I just want to see her, what is the purpose of the android beyond just being there? If there's a revelation about everybody else, will there be one about the android or not? Is she just an android on the ship? Yeah, the only thing I was, again, disappointed with is that there was no android-android fight. I kept hoping our android would wake up from being shot in the chest, which is pretty major, actually, and fight the android, fight Wendy, and get control of the ship so that it wouldn't fly into the star. Uh, Alas, not. But I did really like how the crew worked together. Yeah, our android better be okay next episode. I know, they didn't show her wake up. There was no conclusion to that. Well, it's one thing I didn't notice until a rewatch... The special effects were really cool. When you see the android on the floor after Wendy shot her, you could see kind of the bullet holes glowing and flickering, showing the damage done. Mm -hmm. So that was a cool special effect. Yeah, they did indicate at the end of the episode that they weren't sure how long she was going to take to regenerate. Yeah. So nanites, get to work, because we need our cute android back, because I like my Zoe Palmer model. Was either of you a little creeped out by Ruby Rose's head when it was just sitting there? (laughs) I was all, oh, that looks a little strange. And then in that shot where the eyes were kind of flickering half on and on because it was, it was just. I hate it when actors do that. I know they, I mean, they're directed <laughs> to do that. I know it's an effect thing, but it creeps me out. I hate it. <laughs> but then four running down the hallway with Wendy's head was was a little funny. I, I wasn't creeped out by the head. I, I thought it was pretty funny. I did <laughs> love that shot of four running through the hall, though. That yeah. was great. Speaking of, of other things that, that made us happy, Annie, you mentioned the the accents and and Francie who had previously sent us an email saying that she sadly wasn't the biggest fan of the Android in the beginning because her robotic voice annoyed her. She said, I'm glad that I finally am warming up to the Android. Her jealousy in the accents were hilarious. I hope there are some bloopers of it and I would die to see them. I also liked the Android being sort of passive aggressive about Wendy and, and saying something about how it must be hard to fit in, especially in that outfit. <laughs> I was dying laughing. That was great. That was a good line. That was a good line. Though, don't be judgmental, Android. People, you know, yes. Wendy can wear what she wants. <laughs> mm-hmm. But is it what she wants, or is it just what they dressed her in? Fair, yeah. That was funny when uh, one pulled out the thong <laughs> out of the packing peanuts. That's true. That is the outfit she came with, huh? Yeah, yeah. Dudes wrote this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least she didn't have a boob window, but it, I mean, she had. <laughs> oh yeah, thank she God. But she, then side she had windows. Side win- what do you which call those? Which very strange to me. That's just not an attractive outfit. She needed an ab window, right, Chris? It was like <laughs> a reverse ab window. <laughs> it totally was a reverse ad win- ab window. But I loved how she had an apron on when she was doing the multiple course meals, and then eventually, even four got on board. He was like grudgingly admitting, "Oh, the, the soup, it's." It's really good. Yeah, his so. line about, like, I don't eat for pleasure. I was like, oh, yeah. of course you don't. Of course you don't. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but then even later, he was like, ah, still got that kink in my shoulder. But uh, how she gave him a massage, and he was like, no, keep going. Oh, it's not helping, but but do keep going. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I also just love it when Six is eating. I don't know why, but he just always, I like his relationship with food a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it seems to be very important to him, good food. Okay. FYI, I think Joseph Malazzi said what they mostly eat in those scenes is rice pudding, so Roger Cross must really have a relationship with rice pudding. As liked Five's pep talk to the android. I love mm-hmm. Five and the android. Me too. Me too. a sweet relationship. And I like how Five was trying to explain to the android, look, humans get stressed out, we need this kind of android, but it doesn't mean we don't like you, too. Which led nicely into android trying to make amends with Wendy Android. Yeah, that goes back to Lou's question about uh, why would the android apologize to Wendy? And I think maybe that's part of it is because it follows the pep talk with Five and Five is sort of trying to make the android relate to Wendy. And so I think that's what that was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that that was, I think, what they were going for. The Five created some empathy for Wendy in the android, or at least encouraged her to have more empathy, and that's why she Mm -hmm. apologized. So even if it's only trying to appease Five, there's sufficient motivation there for me. She's like, it was just a flaw in my programming. I'm all, oh, android, you're so noble. And then Wendy android just comes up and shoots you. But I knew as soon as she came into the scene with her hand behind her back, that was coming. Yeah. Well, they had seen the gun. It had to go off. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wendy the android, I thought, had some good lines, though. I liked her mention of interchangeable parts. (laughs) I'm all, oh my god, my imagination just went all over the place with that line. Made me laugh my ass off. But is your ass interchangeable? <laughs> uh, probably. Because <laughs> if it's going to fall off, you're going to need another one. <laughs> but I also liked the different sex positions that she named. <laughs> the cosmic donut. The dunking the cosmic donut? Oh, dunking the cosmic donut. <laughs> and wasn't there like the the indefinite Mobius? quasar Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Infinite Mobius? Infinite Mobius. Yeah, there we go. There we go. But I think the writers had fun coming up with mm-hmm. those names of different Different sexual android activities? sex positions in the future in space. Can you imagine? It better be real fun if you turn the gravity off and then had some interesting sex <laughs> positions. Sorry, that just popped in my head. I bet that's where, that's where some of those come from. Yeah, you don't even need a harness. Yeah. <laughs> I, for one, appreciated that two had the distraction plan mm-hmm. and that three knew that that's what she was up mm-hmm. to. Yeah. It was great to see them really work as a team. Yeah, and, it was, and then especially to see three with five, and then to see the look he gives her, you know, I'll give you what I can, kid. You know, they really seem to relate. There, it was a nice scene, and especially after last week where he we see him putting her in the airlock. Yeah, which I didn't think I'd ever be able to forgive him for, <laughs> even though we don't know how the rest of that scene played out. Maybe, maybe he came back. Ah, oh, just kidding. I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. But after seeing that, I was super mad at him. So, so we, they kind of redeemed him this episode. Mm-hmm. So, that's good, I guess. Yeah, I'm right? looking forward to seeing how Three's relation will continue to hopefully develop with the crew in a more positive way after this episode. I'm wondering if he was able to show Five a bit more respect this week because of her bravery that we saw in the last episode. If that made him realize that she's somebody to be to be taken seriously. Makes sense. I was happy to see Bubba again, because I was wondering if he had abandoned Bubba after episode two when Bubba ran out of battery. 
Maybe he should because Bubba does not last very long. I know. Bubba needs a charger. Bubba needs another battery say. pack slapped on. Maybe he was just lazy and he left Bubba off the charger. Like, was- <laughs> well, he did clear out all his guns when Sarah came in the room, so maybe he accidentally unplugged Bubba or something. Yeah, because <laughs> I swear, before when he used Bubba, he got more than two blasts out of him. Yeah, he did. Like three or something. Mm-hmm. Like three to four. Yeah, Bubba's not great. <laughs> I don't know, like, get an extension cord or something. <laughs> I know, get you know? a clip a battery pack onto your belt and then plug it in. Oh, get like a, a Ghostbusters situation? Exactly. It's the future. You're telling me a <laughs> gun like that doesn't can't have a better battery? That's what. That's the luxury item he needs to buy. Yes, he needs an extra battery for Bubba or some sort of, yeah, battery pack he can clip to his belt. Not an extra long extension cord. Sorry, Chris. (laughs) I don't think that's very practical. I'm I'm just Just, saying. I'm just picturing it now. That'd be hilarious. I just see him. Most of the time, he's using it on the ship. I just see him like trying to run and just trip it over the cord. (laughs) But wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be hilarious? It would be. Come on. He seems to tend to fall down to the floor a lot in fight scenes. Anyway, it's just getting him there faster. Yeah. But he, de- I liked when he pulled one of a, a gun out of the store that they found in the in the vault room. He was like, "Aha! I'm going to call you Raquel." <laughs> I know. <laughs> I hope you work better than Bubba, Raquel. <laughs> oh, and I liked the effects during the android fight scene. I thought those actually looked really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I love how Six gave one last kick to the android's body. It's like, ha! <laughs> Even though it doesn't do any good. I thought that was uh, Three who did that. Oh, Three. I'm sorry. Yeah. Six laughed at three doing that. I know, that, I know. What, yeah. And then three's like, I hate robots. Android, Android three. So moving into questions, the guy who sent Wendy, his name was Cyrus King, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh-huh. And he mentioned, you know, that the crew burned his unit alive or something like that. So they, we know what they did to him, but we didn't see his face. I'm guessing we're going to see him again in the future. Yep. Let's- One would assume. Although it was weird seeing his voice come out of Ruby Rose's mouth. <laughs> it was very strange. <laughs> that voice does not match that face. No. no. No, it does not. But it reveals yet another helpful thing that the android can do is impersonate voices. I thought it was more she was like playing a recording. A recording. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. accents. Accents are helpful and cute. <laughs> I'm also wondering what that shot of five looking at Sarah after she is supposed to be dead in the stasis pod, if that has significance, because it didn't need to be there. There wasn't any real follow-up on that. So what could that shot potentially mean? Yeah, I saw some other fans wondering about that. Is it possible that Sarah didn't die, or could Five fix the stasis pod and somehow revive her? Yeah, because suppose you know you're supposed to have every shot in a show is supposed to have meaning, otherwise you wouldn't put it in there in the editing room. So why is that in there? I have no idea, but hopefully we will find out soon. Because I like Sarah and that actress. Me too. I wouldn't mind if she came back. Because we we don't actually see Three check her pulse or anything like that. He just seems to assume she's dead, Mm -hmm. which seemed a little strange to me. I, I didn't think she would die quite that quickly, given that it seemed like her stasis pod was only offline, you know, a few minutes maybe. But there was a, a line earlier in the episode, the android says something about how, you know, the, the, the disease is characterized by rapid deterioration. So mm-hmm. it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Yeah. Okay. She did Good collapse. Point. So Good point. 
too, also mentions that they hadn't looked through everything in the vault because there seemed to be quite a bit of material in there, including apparently maybe an explosive device that Five tried to pick up. Oh, yeah, I like that right. moment where she was like, oh, everybody's like, put that back. <laughs> Obviously, explosives are not Five's, Five's thing. But I'm wondering if they're going to find anything else significant back there. They certainly have opened up the door <laughs> to the possibility. Troubles. <laughs> I would assume that there is going to be more stuff there, because otherwise, why mention that? Mm-hmm. Are there more women in there? I want to know. <laughs> I actually do have some questions about androids in general, just because I think these were these are the only two we've seen, right? Right. Because I want to know what's like standard android behavior, because Wendy wasn't really overtly different. Our android is is very has affectations i guess to distinguish her from being just human but it seems right. like wendy was more human than that so like is that that's fair is that a thing for the entertainment models like is that is that the difference is it is that what they meant when they were talking about how their androids a little bit different you know is it because she has the weird affectations and you know what i mean like i've got questions now I had them before, but I have them more now. <laughs> I wonder if our the android acts less human than, say, Wendy did because of the fact that Two stripped out a lot of her subroutines. I, it seemed mm. like maybe she took her down to just the basics of, you know, here are the things that I want this android to be able to do. And maybe it stripped out some of her subroutines that would have enabled her to act a little more human-like. They deleted her subroutines that made her a threat to the crew, so yeah, maybe they deleted a lot of other stuff. Makes sense. But I would love for there to be some sort of reveal about the android, because clearly she was put there as some sort of defense mechanism. Was she put there by some member of the crew was she put there by somebody else and yeah, the company, someone else entirely? It seemed like the, I mean, I'm reaching. It could be that the fact that the crew came out of stasis was what activated her. It could just be three, you know, calling her doll face. What does he call her? But it's some sort of insulting condescending comment. That's what woke her up with feminist rage. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm also curious because I, I've seen a number of comments from people indicating that they were suspicious of the android, you know, our android. So I wonder if their opinions have shifted now that we've met an actual android threat. Hmm. Because, like, now our android seems really, really earnest. You know what I mean? Right. I'm wondering if they could possibly program the android to make those super tasty meals that stretch the rations the way that Wendy did, because... That's very efficient and useful, and the android really seems to like to be efficient and useful. Mm -hmm. And I wonder about the AI and androids versus just what their subroutines have programmed them to do. Does the android take it on herself after that conversation with Five? Oh, this other android is acting all sexy. Maybe I should unzip my uniform and try on all these accents on one. Yeah, I get the feeling she could pick up some cooking tips and make herself even more super duper useful. But she better recover first, so hopefully she'll be okay. And then it's like, well, are they are they self-learned things? Does Five need to like write code or something? Like I don't know how I don't know how that happens. Yeah, there's still a lot of questions I have about how androids work in this universe. Yeah, I'm wondering if they could go to the 
whatever this world's equivalent of a Best Buy is and pick up like a <laughs> whatever would be the equivalent of a CD-ROM full of useful <laughs> supper teams for your Android. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they seem to have some sort of like internet connection and they Fair. apparently have, have cables that will connect to the Androids. Because yeah. we saw them use it on Wendy in this episode, so... Fine, blow through all my 90s references, Chris. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Or, or maybe floppy disks. How about that? <laughs> As we mentioned in last week's episode, we had some problems with our email... And we were not receiving emails from from listeners. So we have some feedback about previous episodes that we wanted to go ahead and share. Denise sent in some feedback, actually about episode four, but it was talking about something y'all mentioned in the last episode. She mentioned that episode four reminded her, uh, had some odes to Babylon 5, she felt like, including the space station they were in. She said, remind, the station reminded me of B5 and the Zakolo, Zakolo, I haven't seen Babylon 5, so I'm not sure how to pronounce that. And GNN for sure did. And I did some Googling Babylon 5 plus GNN network, and I couldn't find anything definitive as to what Denise is, is talking about. And then we also got an email from Erin saying that she hadn't heard of GNN, but saw ZNN used in DC Comics. What does the Z stand for? Beats me. Chris, you are our comics expert, so I thought I'd ask you. Yeah, but I don't remember seeing any ZNN. I haven't read anything regularly in quite a while. But uh, I, I remember watching some DC animated thing, and I'm pretty sure they had GNN on something. I'm pretty sure it's like Gotham News Network or some such. That would make sense, though. Erin also sent in some feedback about episode six. She says, while I did like the extra stuff on four, I would like to have seen more on someone else since his story was pretty full by the time they decided on this. I would have liked to see the brother saga revealed in a second memory scan episode because I think we all knew he was innocent when it came to his father's death, but the brother manipulation part was new. Yeah, I tend to agree. With Aaron, I, I feel like the reveal that we got about Four being wanted for his father's death, there was some good dramatic material they could have mined there where we potentially see Four act in some way with that understanding of his old self. But we get this reveal very quickly. I think the reveal was something that a lot of us expected, that he wasn't actually guilty of killing his father. We, but we get it so quickly that... They didn't really have a chance to develop anything interesting out of out of that material, and I think they really could have. Yeah, they didn't really explore this idea of for thinking that he'd killed his father. Like there was some brooding, but that was kind of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a gullible viewer, so I that was kind of a bit of a reveal to me. But yeah, I agree. I think Alex Malari does a great job, and for him to literally have more lines and to have more of a torment about this would have been cool. I just have a, a picture of a scene in my mind where he's all anguished and he makes some sort of decision based on the fact that he thinks of himself as a, a you know the murderer of his father. And then it would be kind of neat to then have him shift his idea of his identity later on based on the the revelation that, oh, he didn't actually kill his father. He's, he was framed for it. I just, I don't know. I have it in my head, like his face all contorted and like, why? But le less overdramatic <laughs> than that. I'm, just, I'm not an actor. <laughs> he, he's much too taciturn a character for that to yeah. be a thing he'd do, probably. I know, I know. But I still want to see what's going to happen now that he knows he was set up 
And uh, I don't think it's going to be good things. There's going to be much, much more stabby stabby. Yeah, I think they included this stuff about four because they really wanted that moment at the end of the episode where five went in to talk to him about it and say and to offer him another choice at how he could act and to have him reject that offer. I think they really wanted that moment. And so I can understand that. But I still I still wish that they had mined the thinking he was his father's killer for a bit more dramatic material first. That's fair. So Lou said about episode six, the thing that bothered me the most is this. When six was in the hangar with his fellow conspirators, why did he feel it was necessary to shoot them? Except for the ringleader, six and the others all seemed to be duped. Was his moral outrage so great that he felt the need to punish all of them, including himself? I guess it could have just been a gut reaction or the writers cleaning up loose ends. I was reminded of something Joseph Malazzi has said in his blogs or uh, on his um, Periscope talks that you know, all these people, we see them trying to restart their lives, mostly after having their memories wiped, but they're still all not necessarily innocent, totally good people. I love seeing, personally, how Six has a morality, but that it's really, it's not like a total clean morality. It's its messy. And now that we have this reveal about him, yeah, I do think it was a gut reaction, because he just was so horrified that he was part of killing 10,000 people, even if he was inadvertently duped into it, that that was just, you know, a snap judgment he came to, so that it wouldn't happen again. It does seem like it's a, you know, guilt by association, if not by intention kind of kind of a thing. Yeah, I thought he was just so disgusted by being a part of what had happened, disgusted by the organization he belonged to, being willing to do that, that he lashed out at the organization in the moment, which were the people surrounding him. And I was surprised in the last episode, y'all didn't talk more about why it might be that Six, who clearly has such anti-corporation sentiments in this memory we got, why he is with the, when he's with the Raza, they're clearly taking jobs from corporations. I find that interesting, if there's maybe a larger plan he had with the crew of the Raza. Yeah, I feel like there's a missing scene there that I'd like to see in between what gets Six from almost committing suicide and not not having it done just because the gun is empty and him throwing away the gun to get him from that suicidal state to being on the Raza and being with a bunch of criminals, or is he just doing it to get be on the run and to get out of there? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think we know how much time has passed in, in the meantime either. Mm -hmm. So yeah, who knows what all happened. So. And then David sent us an email after episode one aired and he said, being a fan of Joseph Malazzi from Stargate, I've been wanting to see this show for a while. I love sci-fi ship-based shows, so this was right up my alley. Being a longtime fan of Star Trek, I'm on board for any show that is ship-based. The pilot was very reminiscent of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda pilot. What, was that an intentional pun? That you're on board for ship-based? Oh, uh -huh. nice. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Either way, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I know nothing about Andromeda. Have you ever seen Andromeda, Chris? Uh, not that I recall. I think I, I might have seen like an episode here or there, but I think I saw the pilot. But it's not like, I watched. But that was like 15 years ago, and I don't remember it at all. I did watch about half of the Star Treks, though. Well, thank you again to everybody who sent us that feedback. We apologize that we didn't get it until just recently, but we would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. You can send us your feedback to darkmatter at askgenretv.com. Leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972 514-7223. You can also record a voice memo with your smartphone and email it to us. 
We live-tweet on Fridays during both the East and West Coast airings of Dark Matter in the U.S. and Canada. Follow us on Twitter at Dark Matter Pod to join in. We're also on Tumblr as Dark Matter Pod. And we wanted to remind you about the Facebook group that has been created for Dark Matter fans. Search for Dark Matter Theories on Facebook to find the group. And we always interchange our parts because we're dangerous. And by that, Annie is talking about her butt. <laughs> Thanks for listening.